We are going to energize the country. We need to wake up and smell the coffee. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Another future is possible, but we've got to fight for it. Order! Hello and welcome to the Debated Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by a former Labour Party uh, parliamentary candidate, prospective parliamentary candidate for Bassett Law, former Labour councillor uh, for Camden, uh, constituent in Camden from uh, 2011 to 2011, an author of a new pamphlet uh, from the Fabian Society called Building Bridges, Lessons from Bassett Law for the Country, Sally Gimson. Welcome to the podcast, Sally. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here. It's great to have you on. Um, so the first question uh, that I'd like to ask is, it's clear from the pamphlet that um, your experiences as a campaigner, both as a uh, parliamentary candidate, as prospective parliamentary candidate and as a councillor, uh, have made it clear to you some of the failings that the um, Labour Party has in terms of outreach uh, in particular areas. What made you decide to put these uh, thoughts and these opinions into a pamphlet? Well, I wanted to... I was shocked, I think, when I went to Bassett Law, um, how, not in Bassett Law itself, actually, which has a really good campaigning um, party and a very good campaigning CLP, and actually some amazing people that I met, um, Josie Potts being one of them, who is constantly talking to her community, and we can maybe talk about her a bit later, um, but what I was shocked about is that in many of those seats that we lost, the, the local parties had more or less collapsed and people weren't knocking on doors anymore. They weren't talking to people in their communities. And um, they, it was being, people were being selected from London without any um, thought for the local people. So although I got selected in Bassett Law, I then got deselected from London who decided I wasn't the candidate that they wanted there. Um, so... We talked a lot about red walls being, or those seats, the seats in the Midlands and the North, um, feeling that they didn't have any power and being left behind. And yet we were also seeing in an event the Labour Party uh, also are not um, taking them seriously either um, and overriding what was happening locally. And then in many places, not caring that not much was happening locally um, and just expecting people to turn up and vote Labour. Uh, even if nobody listened much to them. Um, uh, Bassett Law, I suppose, was particularly tragic because it did have a CLP that was very active, that did knock on people's doors, that did, did know, the, the local councils did know their local community, and they'd been very successful um, in the district council elections earlier um, in the year. So they had, they had increased their majority on Bassett Law District Council um, in May 2019, and then when the whole debacle over my selection happened and, and London HQ came in to sort of deselect me, um, the people's local people cottoned on that even their local representatives who they put trust in and who knew them were being road roughshod over uh, by, the, by the people from London. Mm. <laughs> and, and I really, if we're going to win places back and win new places... We have to meet people where they are. We have to respect them. We have to talk to them. Um, and my first experience actually was in Camden. Um, I stood in Gospel Oak in 2006 
as a councillor. It was the first time I'd ever stood in, in an election and it was, uh, everyone told me it was a completely and utterly safe seat, you know, gospel oak, never voted uh, voted anything but Labour. We'd been in um, power, Labour had been in power for the last 30 years in uh, Camden and you know, it was never never going to change. Some people like that, you know, they just, you didn't even have to canvas. No one was knocking on doors much. Um, and me and the, the, then the, the person who then became the council leader were knocking on doors, but we were the only ones. And we knocked on doors in November and, you know, people weren't very enthusiastic. But they said, oh yeah, I've always voted Labour. Um, and then the um, Tories started to build up a campaign. It was in part a decapitation campaign against the leader of the council who I was standing with. So that's why they put lots of resources into the ward. But they changed they changed a what had been thought of as a completely safe Labour ward into a Tory ward. And that was because they we had taken those people for granted. We'd assumed that the middle classes, the left liberal leaning middle classes would vote for us. And we'd assumed that the people on the uh, on the housing estates would vote for us. Um, and we hadn't we hadn't we told them what we thought was good for both of them. You know, we told the people in the. But we, we told the middle classes that going to war in Iraq would be sort of good. Well, we didn't actually, but they felt nationally um, they were being told that going to war in Iraq was was the right thing to do, and their concerns were um, weren't uh, weren't important. We told them locally that all the parking restrictions that they were worried about were nothing to be worried about, and just to sort of suck it up. Um, and uh, and and a sort of UKIP style campaign was being run on the uh, on the housing estates, um, a sort of anti-immigrant um, uh, um, UKIP style campaign was being run there, and people wanted to challenge the local party, so they voted Tory, and actually they didn't even expect to win in in the end. And when we they didn't, they didn't expect their Tory vote to do anything because this was a seat that had always been Labour, so you know they could quite easily. Um, vote Tory and there was a, a row over heating and we told them they couldn't have the heat on this housing estate we told them they couldn't have the heating uh, because, <laughs> because another estate somewhere else had priority but you know we were in charge and uh, <laughs> so these people all turned up and voted Tory and, and, and you know not surprisingly voted Tory um, and loads of people turned out it was really interesting it was a very contested election and we got sort of twice as many votes as we normally got but it was still not enough um, to let the Tories in. And my experience from that, I mean, interestingly, they, they people would then come afterwards up in the street to me and say, well, aren't you the local councillor? And I would have to say, well, sweetie, you didn't vote for me. You thought voting for Tory would, you, vote, you thought uh, you could vote for the Tories as a sort of protest vote. And uh, that means I'm not the councillor. Uh, so that, I think that taught me that you had to engage with your local population and listen to them and listen to what their worries are. You didn't have to pander to them um, and you could agree to disagree with them, but you had to knock on their door and you had to respect them. And actually we won, I became chair of the local branch, selected, made sure that we selected people who were in touch with the local community and we won with a, a thumping majority four years later. Um, and we've kept that seat Labour since. But we go around now with loads of people knocking on doors, talking to people, asking about what their what their concerns are, understanding where they where they come from. One of the things that I'm particularly interested um, in asking, and you raised that point there, obviously of, of uh, local interaction, the need to be in touch with the community. And you mentioned um, 
in your uh, response just now, um, Josie Potts, and you mentioned uh, both her and Kevin Dukes in the pamphlet. Why do you think in particular they are good examples of Labour candidates that were in touch with their local communities who were able to, um, in in different ways, uh, win over uh, the local population to voting for the Labour Party, even though that there were some, you know, uh, uh, perhaps slow floating away from uh, Labour in the constituency as a whole? Well, I mean, Josie's an interesting example. She's absolutely embedded in her community. She's 72, or maybe she's older now. She's in her early 70s. <laughs> it's probably unfair on Josie. I should say she's 65. She's in her early 70s. She, um, start, she, was a school, she was a school cleaner, in fact. She was picked up by John Mann because she had, her family had, um, members of her family had had terrible problems with drugs and heroin addiction. Um, and she came up, she and John Mann came up with, who was the local MP at the time, um, came up with a, a scheme that where her and, where it would be medicalised, where GPs and, and would be much more um, involved um, with heroin addiction and they would be seen as a medical problem rather than a, a social problem. And actually they transformed um, a lot of um, the, uh, the crime on the streets by doing that, by making this a medical problem locally. Josie is absolutely embedded in her local community. She knows everybody, <laughs> absolutely everybody. She and she um, knocks on their doors. She talks to them. She um, goes around. Um, she she helps them if they've got a problem with their with if they've got a problem, they can ring up Josie and they know that Josie will sort it out. Um, but she also makes bonnets for the Easter parade and she. <laughs> and, uh, she has bonus this parade, and she took a she took some local kids off to, or she organised. I don't think she actually went to Brazil, but she organised a sort of tour of local kids to play football in Brazil, and raised the help raise the money for that. So she is someone who is a community leader. And if Josie rings you up and tells you to vote Labour, you vote Labour. <laughs> and she signed loads of people up for postal votes as well. So because this, these are low turnout areas. Um, uh, this is early voting as it's as it's now in North America, but she she signed she signed thousands of people up for postal votes and she will literally ring them up and tell them, have you put your postal vote in? And, you know, they say, yes, Josie, we have. And then she has a whole kind of team of people. She's also very good at building teams. So she's got a whole team of people um, who go around and uh, who she gives boxes of chocolates to and who deliver her, uh, her leaflets. So she, you know, she's built, if you want to bring... And, and I think that this, this actually I learned from Citizens UK, if you you identify your leader and they're not necessarily, um, and she's a leader, yeah, she's definitely a leader in your community. And you, you identify your leader, not necessarily as someone who has a position, but as someone who can bring people to meetings and bring people with them. And that is what someone like Josie does. Um, and Kevin does it in a different way. You know, he is... His wife runs a Harley Gallery on this um, local ducal estate. I mean, this is how odd. This is how odd North Nottinghamshire is. <laughs> Some of the richest people in the country also live in uh, in uh, Nottinghamshire in 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 Bassett Law. You know, you you think. It's just a place of sort of ex-mines, but actually a lot of these mines were built on these enormous estates. Anyway, he lives on the estate on the, in the gardener's cottage on the estate. 
And it's a very rural, you know, most people there work in one way or another on the estate. Um, and his wife runs the gallery um, there, the Holly Gallery there. And he is, yeah, he knows everybody and he goes for walks and he knows the, you know, he knows the manager on estate. He knows the people who, who work on the grounds and they've got a sort of business park there and he knows everybody who works on the business park. And so in the same way, in Josie, in a very, very different context, <laughs> he too is, and he was a school teacher as well, actually, mm. but he too is a local leader. Uh, and, and I think that's what Labour, you know, that is what Labour needs. It needs people who are embedded within their within their communities um, and who their communities trust. But then Labour lab- also has to trust those people. And that was that. That these are some of the relationships I think that 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 have broken down. Um, now you talk about um, trust, and you, you mentioned this a bit earlier. And you discuss it in the pamphlet as well. Is you were of course selected as the prospective parliamentary candidate, and then uh, deselected. Do you think that that kind of um, heavy-handed action is something that really? alienates communities and that's something that the Labour Party really has to think about going forward to the next general election is ensuring that there there isn't too much um, imposition from uh, central office and that it is more of a a local community-led selection of parliamentary candidates. Yeah, yes. I mean, that, it was, you know, the local people. So, I mean, it was interesting because all these these Kevins and the and, and Josies and stuff have built up huge trust in the local community. And then to to have the Central Party come and ride roughshod over them, um, really angered people. Now, if we, you know, if we think we're powerless, you know, if we basically think we're powerless economically in the country and then we find out that politically we're powerless too. Um, and, and, and they really punished, you know, they really punished Labour and Bassett Law. This had a majority of almost 5,000 under the ex-MP John Mann and reverted to a, to a majority of 14,000 mm. <laughs> to the Tory <laughs> candidate. And the Tories only selected their candidate at the last minute. So this wasn't someone everybody knew or was embedded in their community. This was a total protest vote. I mean, in some ways, quite similar to what to what I've seen on a, on a much, much sort of more local level in in uh, in Gospel Oak. Um, so, yeah, you have to, uh, local parties need to um, select, need to be, need to select their candidates. Now, I think in the Labour Party, we also, but we also need in the Labour Party to make sure that we get the brightest and the best who go for these, who, who go for these seats. So there has been... Uh, yeah, I do think we have to, inc- I don't think you necessarily have to always live in that place and have lived for your whole life in that place to be selected. But I do think, you know, if you're choosing your MP, you should have a choice of really, really good people. The party should help those really good people from all over the country um, uh, apply for those seats those seats so I don't think it just always has to be someone very local but I, which is, and that's slightly different from saying I do think that local people need to make the selection need to make the selection mm. um, and, but because we, we need we need the brightest and the best people from all, all over the country to be MPs absolutely um, and one thing that I think that's also interesting about um, your description of Bassett Law is how you talk about the community uh, the um, constituency in terms of places that it relates to so for example you talk about the north of con- of the constituency perhaps uh, gravitating more towards um sheffield and south yorkshire yeah. and then um the southern part of the constituency gravitating more towards places like newark and lincoln yeah. do you think it's important to think about 
constituencies in this way in terms of well there's a particular part that is linked say uh, more towards um, Yorkshire and we have to think in terms of when we're campaigning in, in, in that area not just about the constituency but how it links up to say you know services in, in Yorkshire and that kind of thing uh, rather than just thinking of the constituency as just one isolated block that isn't linked up with other areas of the country. I think, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I mean, most people don't know where Bassett, Bassett Law is in North Nottinghamshire. Most people don't know where Bassett Law is. Um, it's 45 minutes on the road to Nottingham. Um, so, which is where the, actually the county council is. But it is one of those places that's really on the edge. It's not sort of connected into Nottingham really at all because it's so far away. Um, it's not part of, actually Sheffield's got this big Sheffield city region. So although it looks to Sheffield mm-hmm. and although the health service actually is provided through Doncaster, which is also part of that, um, it's in it's 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 in Nottingham. It's, it's in Nottinghamshire and not part of that Sheffield mm-hmm. city region. Um, and you're right that on the other side it's sort of Retford and that is that's all connected up to Lincoln and Newark and is a completely different kind of vibe really and also has the east coast main line that goes through it so I do think you need yeah to think of to think of these constituencies either sort of as monolithic in many ways and as the people being monolithic and the people sort of looking to the same places and and saying, well, we could just rule Bassett Law from Nottingham. I mean, I think one mm. of the problems with with the county council and some of the devolution, my worries about some of the devolution is we'll just end up doing for these places that are sort of on the edge of bigger places um, that will will end up will end up they'll feel just as powerless in the future because although we'll have devolution settlements, they they won't quite belong anywhere. They won't belong either in or either in sort of place like Sheffield or they won't belong in Newark or they won't belong in, in Nottingham um, because they because because they are on the edge. And so I, that's why I make a big argument that if we're going to do devolution, we have to be, and I think we need to be devolving, you know, Britain's one of the most centralised countries in the world. We need to be devolving a lot more power and tax raising powers um, and other powers to um, local areas, but we need to really think about we need to really think about these these areas on the edge, which are not in cities. And as a sort of shorthand, what we've tended to do is look at cities rather than rather than than places outside cities and where they fit in. Uh, one of the other arguments that you make in the pamphlet is um, that in order for areas like Bassett Law to have more of a uh, economic weight behind them, an economic uh, strength, that you need to um, bringing green industries and promote yeah. um, green jobs in these particular areas. Do you think that this is um, something that local residents will uh, agree with and commit to? Do you think that um, building on these uh, particular mining communities using green ed- energy is sustainable? What, what do you think? What struck me, and actually this was the argument, this was a big, a very strong argument that Kevin and other people made to me, was that the identity of that part of Nottinghamshire in the 19th, well, throughout a lot of the sort of 20th century, Mm. had been as the energy producing area of Britain. So, and they're lots, they're, they're these enormous power stations. There are three power stations, three, there were three huge power stations there. Um, and because the coal was firing those power stations and was, was yeah, putting energy into the whole of the UK. And so there then is a question, or the whole of Britain, so there then is a question of, 
that was its identity. Could you transform that? Could you make it an energy producing area in the future? So I sort of make the argument for that um, in terms of all the heat that comes out of comes out of the mines in terms of of putting a lot more investment into uh, local solar energy um, in terms of of hydrogen capture there is a sort of and there's a lot of infrastructure you know there's a lot of infrastructure not only that all the connections to the grid there Mm. so it would be easy to you know if you were creating energy there you can feed the energy back into the grid although uh, you know you can't do that at the moment (laughs) And you have these power station sites with all the where you know, and you have these huge areas which which were which were mines where you could be taking energy out of those mines or heat out of those mines, um, and and heating communities, so um, heating sort of local housing, um, and none of that is being none of that is being looked at. Uh, it just. Uh, it isn't. Um, there's some local plant. There's some a bit, uh, some local plans which local Bassett Law um, uh, District Council wants to to you to, to 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 set up some green energy or say we need green energy to um, power the houses. But there is no kind of regional, uh, you know. There's no regional strategy which is there. Um, and you know, if you if you want. If you want to say to these places, you have to play someone like Bassett Law, you have a role in the future of the country. And that seems to me an obvious way that you could do that. Um, let's start invest, let's start finding investors, people who might want to um, invest in uh, retrieving heat from the mines. Let's find, and I mean, and I'm talking, uh, uh, you know, private investors, but have public incentives to, do, you know, use public money as incentives to do that. Um, let's at least explore this. I mean, this isn't <laughs> even being looked at. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not even, no one's even even thinking that this, and you have sort of piecemeal things. You know, you have the National Coal Board saying, mm. you know, there's all this money and there's all this heat and there's all this heat and the potential from old mines and they're doing research, but no one's sort of taking it seriously. And there's no kind of national national idea that you might do that. Um, and there's also, I think, a feeling that, you know, all the money is because of the way our economy is set up. All the money is going, go, most of the money goes to London and the southeast. And then most of the investment, then the infrastructure investment all goes to London and the southeast, too, because they have rules in the Treasury, which they're, they're now changing. But they had rules in the Treasury, you know, that this was all about money. And if it's producing money, we put more money into it. Um, so you, you completely neglect neglect places like Bassett Law and you don't say well actually let how do we create economy for the whole country how do we you know how do we just not keep investing in places where we invest already how do we how do we create an economy that works for everybody um and the thing what happens in in Bassett Law is that lots of people young people leave and the average age there is 45 you know if you want to go and make a career you very and you do well you go to university in Sheffield or you go to university in Derby or you go to university in London and you don't come back because there's not a highly skilled job there for you to do and yet it's really near Sheffield as you were saying Um, and couldn't we encourage you know campuses from Sheffield to come out there couldn't we encourage young people to stay shouldn't we have a Shouldn't, shouldn't we be having a debate about how we can retain, how we can 
create highly skilled jobs to retain people in these areas. Yeah. But no, we just say, oh, well, you know, it's cities which are really important. Mm. Um, we, you know, we'll just make it, we'll just sort of encourage more and more people to go into cities. And, uh, and we don't, you know, what happens outside cities doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter particularly. And we're not going to try and encourage people to go. And this is, I mean, to, to stay or indeed to settle and we know with COVID now people want more space they want more housing they, they don't necessarily want to stay in the centre of cities so isn't there something isn't there an opportunity here to um, create create the circumstances where you would and create industries and create highly skilled jobs and create you know uh, research campuses and get people to go there young people to go there and young people to stay there and also, do you think that, I mean, you talked about uh, cities there. Do you think that um, government programmes like the Northern Powerhouse and uh, thinking about uh, moving the um, uh, elements of the Treasury up to a particular city in the North are a means by which the Conservatives can say, oh, well, we are doing something to help uh, the North. We are attempting to invest in the North when they're just doing it to cities and not more rural areas. Do you think that that's something that the Labour Party needs to point out a bit more? Yeah, I know. I do. And I think these are really, you know, they talk about levelling. So there's always been talk about the Northern Powerhouse. And yet we haven't really, I mean, I, you, we haven't really seen much come mm. out of that. Um, Bassett Law isn't in the Northern Powerhouse. It's on the edge. So it doesn't even get to be in the Northern Powerhouse. Uh, it doesn't reach down to the Midlands. So, yeah, not, not very helpful there. Um, a lot of the investment seems to be piecemeal. It seems to be, you know, a symbol. Let's put the Treasury up there. And God help us. We know that we did that as a Labour government between 97 and 2010. And we put lots of sort of DWP and other other places up in the north and immediately the Tories came in they decided and and we created you know we created jobs there was a sort of big um big department of work and pensions jobs um uh, centers in places like Sheffield mm. the Labour government the Tory government came in and shut them all down <laughs> you know? um it can't just be about moving bits of government departments up north it has to be about a strategy of moving wealth you know the wealth it has to be about, yeah. to be about can't just be about government departments or indeed the bbc you know mm. the, the mad thing the mad thing about moving places like the bbc into manchester is that you ended up with loads and loads of people commuting commuting up there and i've got a colleague down here who makes some um, who is a big set maker and he lives in London and because it's all got to be regional now made regional, it doesn't mean that they're employing lots of local regional people because nobody's training them up. They're just moving, just moving people from London into hotels in Glasgow and around the country to, uh, to work on things. You, you just, <laughs> you really, you do have to say there has to be a strategy behind it. Yeah. Um, you have to be, you know, you have to start training up local. It may be a bit unfair about some of the BBC mm. and Manchester, but I don't know enough about it. But you have to, I do know about my my friend who goes around the country doing yeah. three shows. Um, you have to, you have to put investment into skills in that in those areas. Mm. And you have to match skills. You know, Britain doesn't even match skills with what the employers want. We have, they almost sort of totally separate systems. And I know that we're, you know, uh, and, and it, it, a labour in power has to 
has to has to really seriously say what does you know what do we want to do here what's our strategy (laughs) what industries do we want to do here how can we encourage them to do that and how can we have incentives them to do that and then what skills do they need and how can we make sure that we create or help create or you know give subsidies Mm. to create um this the people to have the skills to do those things yeah and one of the things i mean it doesn't strike me as being very complicated (laughs) (laughs) well you think you think it wouldn't be that complicated but obviously for but you you do have to you do have to also build the infrastructure and that's the Mm. other thing we haven't done you know we haven't we build these big grand projects of sort of hs2 but we have we're not you know but you can't get anywhere in basset law unless you're in a car because the bus services don't work and neither does the neither do the you know they don't join up with the train services um and we've got to make sure that we've got proper broadband that's very fast that Mm. goes out to these places to encourage people to go and live there yeah and one of the other arguments that you um make in the pamphlet regarding um to rural areas regarding uh farming and um uh, areas of natural beauty like Creswell uh, Crags, which isn't that far from uh, Bassett Law, is that there needs to be um, more help given to these particular areas and there needs to be more investment to promote them in terms of um, tourism. Do you think that part of the reason that there hasn't been a greater emphasis on um, tourism uh, in local areas is that there just hasn't been the support given to tourist boards and to um, areas of uh, outstanding natural beauty and historical areas, in particular uh, areas like Nottinghamshire, that they've just been sort of like left on their own, you know, to say, oh, well, you've got to get more tourists in, but they haven't been given the help, whether in terms of um, uh, employees, people working there, or whether in terms of uh, monies, is, is that something that you think that has to be a, a focus in, in terms of getting uh, more uh, support in the countryside? Yes, no, absolutely. I think. I mean, there are. I think there are. There is. There are. There are schemes that are support for tourism. But yes, mm. I think. I think there does need. To, we do need to have a much greater look at sort of areas which are unexplored in the country. Um, and there are lots of places around there are lots of places around Bassett Law which are just not not discovered. But they're also really they're also unless you know that they're there, they're difficult they're difficult to get mm. to. When you don't get off at Retford Station, it tells you how to get to Cresswell Crags or, <laughs> <laughs> or there's a bus service to take you there or um uh, and I think, you know, we have these these very clear ideas about what are areas of natural beauty in in, in Britain and and what you know, with, and, and places like North Nottinghamshire, where we just say oh, it's an ex mining yeah. ex mining area, yeah. um, and and so you know can't can't be any natural beauty there. <laughs> um, I do think you know I do think um, there are more and more. I mean there are more there are more and more people coming, but I do think we need to yeah we need. To, but that is about having that is also about building connection. So it is about building the buses. It is about, you know, could we, couldn't we have um, electric bikes, for instance, mm. to, to, to go out to, to see the countryside? Couldn't you think of work, couldn't you think of workshop um, as being a sort of center where you could go out to do tourism? Um, I think also this is about regional devolution. Cause mm. I think if you're not, if you don't have a strong 
if you don't have a sort of strong devolution, you don't, and you don't have um, people sort of uh, people who are um, uh, fighting for that area nationally. Mm. So you know, if you look at if you look, the local councillors in in Bassett Law do an incredible job, but they're very concentrated on their local area and what's on planning and what's happening in their their local villages. They don't actually there's no opportunity really to do something much more national, which would encourage people either from other bits of Nottinghamshire or indeed from the whole country to come there. And I think having you know having place having a having a more having more devolved outward looking um a regional approach mm-hmm. might lead you to might make sure that that you have more tourism and i also just think we as the labor party need to think about if we want people to go and live there we need to be telling people these are marvelous places to go yeah. <laughs> and one of the interestingly and this is not so much about tourism but it's also it's about culture one of the interesting things about some of the other European countries have been looking at this. So Görlitz looked looked at this in East Germany. Why didn't people come? Well, they had a sort of real problem with the far right <laughs> in this town on the Polish border, this sort of East German town on the Polish border. But they um, they 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 let pe- they encouraged people. They more or less paid them to come for a month to Görlitz to tell them why they liked it and why they didn't like it. Um, and you know, people a thought the transport systems weren't good enough. Very like Barcelona, and secondly, they wanted a, they wanted a, a cultural offer, and I think tourism and often a cultural offer go together. So a sort of artistic, you know, going to be able to see a museum is going to see a site or go. Um, they often go together. So if you they can't it has to be seen as part of a sort of strategy for the whole area that if you want younger people to live there if you want to bring people in if you want to have set up highly skilled jobs you also they also need something another reason another reason to be there or be proud of where they live Hmm. um now uh, this is a question not about the pamphlet but i i can't help but asking it given uh, that today as we're recording is the 20th of january so uh, inauguration day in the United States. Joe Biden will become uh, president of the United States uh, later today. Do you think there are things that the Labour Party can learn from from uh, the Democrats' successes in the recent presidential and congressional and Senate elections in terms of recapturing areas that are perhaps more rural, like, for example, areas in Georgia, which the state the Democrats carried for the first time in the uh, first time for a decade in a presidential uh, election, which are very rural and have previously voted for the Republican Party. Are there lessons that you think can be learned from them well, that look would at, apply towards look at Stacey Abrams. Look at Stacey Abrams. Look at what mm. she did. Look at that huge movement that she built. And that was a movement on the ground to get people to vote and to get people who thought that it wasn't worth their while voting because they were predominantly black voters Mm. um look what she did look at that she got them out she got them voting um she got them you know she created relationships within that community and that is really what you know people like Josie are doing in Bassett Law on a much smaller scale but that is what and that is (laughs) we're going back to where we started that is where you um that is how you win that is how you win things Mm. um and yeah, I also think that 
they have been, I think, they feel like the future. I think particularly Kamala Harris feels like the future. Um, and so they gave people a hopeful future to vote for. And, you know, Joe Biden also was quite clear on things like green energy. He didn't, you know, towards the end, he's, he, he, beca- he wasn't listening to Twitter. He wasn't listening to what social, they weren't listening to Twitter. They weren't listening to what social media were. They weren't trying to pander what they thought people wanted. Um, they were plowing their, you know, they were plowing their furrow and their vision for the country and not being frightened of um, not being frightened. So, yeah, I think we've loads to learn. And I, you know, for the Labour Party as well, I think, and for all social democratic um, parties um, in Europe, um, I think them, the, the Biden winning, you know, it, it shows that you can defeat populism. And I think, you know, lots of people have become a bit defeatist about populism, um, thinking that, 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 that you had to somehow pander to it, but then you would always be just a second, mm. you know, a second rate populist. <laughs> you couldn't really out Trump, Trump, could you? And in some ways you can't out Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson, you know, you have to be, you have to be the polar opposite of him. And, I, and, and that's what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris did, but they also offered a hopeful, they also offered a hopeful, different, modern future. And that's what the Labour Party's got to do too. Absolutely. It's been fantastic uh, speaking to you, Sally. And I've got uh, one final question for you. Now, um, we've not really discussed it, but of course it has an impact on so many local communities, coronavirus. We are, of course, currently in a a, a national um, lockdown. So my final question to you is this. When things are finally back to normal and coronavirus has been uh, either consigned to the past or isn't as, as much of a threat as it is now. What one thing that you haven't been able to do are you most looking forward to being able to do? <laughs> um, I want to have loads of my friends around to dinner. <laughs> I want to have a party. It's all to do in my house, in my flat. I want a party. I want to have a party. I think that that's a great answer. And I think a lot of people, myself included, will be looking forward to having a party when <laughs> you can come to my party. Oh, You're that would be great. To to my party. <laughs> that would be great. Thank you once again for coming on the podcast. If people would like to find out more about the pamphlet or more about you, uh, where should they go to find out more oh, about they can you? go onto the Fabian uh, they can go onto the Fabian website, the Fabian's website, and my pamphlet is there on the Fabian's website. Um, I don't I don't have a website yet <laughs> yet <laughs> yet <laughs> excellent thank you once again for coming on the podcast thank you very much indeed thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast if you've enjoyed it you can subscribe to us on iTunes Spotify Podbeam and Amazon Music you can also follow us on Twitter at Debated Podcast like us on Facebook Debated Podcast and if you'd like to get in touch with us whether about appearing on an episode of the podcast or commenting on an episode that you've listened to, you can do so at thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you listen to the next one.